You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Locked On Big 12 Podcast Roundtable Edition. You notice we got somebody else new with us in the family, but I am Josh Neighbors, first host of Locked On Big 12 Podcast. To my right, I'm not sure if everybody else is right, but to my right, that is Jacob Hatch of Locked On Cougars, the BYU podcast. Then there is Stephen Simcox. He is the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. We've got, uh, not strategically, but we got John Williams next to Linda Godfrey. So we've got OU, Locked On Sooners, and Locked On Pokes clashing head-to-head down there. Uh, on the bottom. Yes, on the, yeah, <laughs> on the bottom. Uh, all right, so tonight's show, we're going to – we're going to do a little bit of power rankings. We did that last week, but I put it out on Twitter today. You guys have all seen it. I'm going to put it up here. We're going to go around for reactions. All right. Everybody's going to give their thoughts about the power rankings. And then you guys can give me your gripes, whatever else. And then we'll kind of go individually, go through the teams that you all cover and uh, kind of explore the conference. Cause I believe right now it's such a competitive, compelling conference right now. And one of the most compelling uh, in all of college football. All right, so we got that right there. John, I'm going to go to you first. I was actually talking to somebody else today, and they made the case that actually Texas could be number one in somebody's power ranking if they won. Do you still think, and I know you do yours every single week for Sooners Wire, do you think Oklahoma is still hanging on to that top spot? Who do you think should be number two? What are your thoughts on kind of maybe this Oklahoma-Texas pre-Red River kind of showdown here in the power rankings? Yeah, it's like uh, D'Angelo Barksdale told Bodie Broaddus and Wallace on uh, season one of The Wire, the king stays the king. And until somebody mm-hmm. knocks off Oklahoma, they're number one. And there's, I mean, there's a good chance that that could happen this week against K-State. Chris Kleiman has got Lincoln Riley's number, at least in the first two matchups. And that Texas matchup, man, it's got me nervous. And it should have most Oklahoma Sooners fans. You know, Oklahoma's got a defense that might be able to slow down Casey, slow down Casey Thompson. Like, what are we even talking about right now? <laughs> like Casey Thompson is a quarterback that you have to worry about slowing down. So, it, you know, the two offenses are going in completely different directions right now. Uh, Texas looks like the second coming of a Lincoln Riley offense and uh, Oklahoma. They're trying to win games defensively, which is strange. All right, Linda, you tweeted about maybe having some issues. Was this just Twitter fodder or do you actually have some problems with the way the list is currently constructed? I see. I know your pokes are at number four. They're behind Baylor. Do you have any problems with the way the list is constructed right there, especially? First of all, I think people are far more sold on Texas than I am sold on Texas. I know Casey Thompson played really well. I know that they played really well against Texas Tech, but it's Texas Tech, which I think we need to take into consideration because their defense was abysmal. It hasn't been great. It was extra not great on Saturday. So putting up huge numbers against Texas Tech doesn't bode super confidence in me for them to jump as as high as they did in the rankings and I think Baylor played well against Iowa State but I also don't think Iowa State is the team that we thought Iowa State was heading into the season Oklahoma State has flashed on defense all season and they finally put together at least a half of really well thought out offensive play so there I'm I maybe I'm biased I'm probably biased but I think they are better than Baylor. I think they may be better than Texas because I'm not sure that that Texas proved enough playing against somebody like Texas Tech. 
Here's the thing. I have Baylor ahead of Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State beats them this week, though. But I just think from a part of this also, too, is I like to give each kind of team their shine, right? I had Kansas State number two last week, full well knowing what was coming for Kansas State. <laughs> Not just this week, but in the coming weeks. I was kind of trying to give them their shine with the opportunity to. I think it's Baylor's turn, if you will. I think I think really that's that's kind of where we're at. Because if you think about and I, and Steve, I'm kind of go to you on this. Uh, you can talk TCU or two, but I, I know, you know, obviously you worked uh, in this market and, you, and you're very familiar with Baylor. But in terms of teams that have reached their potential or, or executed and, and, and competed to the highest possible standard, I mean, Baylor is, Baylor is the team that has done the best job. They had a pretty much flawless first month of the season in terms of record and also performance. And that kind of manifested itself because I actually thought Iowa State played a really good game on Saturday, and I thought Baylor went out and beat them. So give me your thoughts on that. And then also, do I, am I jobbing TCU by putting them at number eight? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this last week in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, but it is sort of amazing um, the job that, you know, two guys that Jacob knows really well and Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos have done with that offensive line up front. I mean, they're completely different. And they benefited from some transfers like Jake Begall coming over from Buffalo and um, – the young man from Vandy who I can't remember now who's playing center for them. But anyway, like they've reworked that, that whole O-line. And that's a position that takes a lot of cohesion. It takes a lot of working together. Um, and they're just leaps and bounds better than they were. And man, like Gary Bohannon, uh, like the little bit we saw of him the last few years, I thought he was honestly just a guy that was kind of like a, Blake Bell, like the belldozer, like mm. just a, a dude who you could use in special packages and was big and physical but, I mean, he's going through progressions. Like, he's finding his wideouts. The one thing I will say about that game that I found interesting, um, Iowa State, and I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to this, but seeing the Baylor game and seeing people talk about it this week, their special teams is terrible. So and bad. if they don't let Tristan Ebner take one to the house on a kickoff return and have a bad punt, they might win that game. They kicked they, him again. They kicked yeah. him a second time. And they, their defense settled down and actually played a lot better after those first couple of drives of the game. So do people learn from that at all? Do other teams have the personnel to do what they did against Baylor later in the game? And, um, yeah, before I get to TCU, I did want to say I would, not just because I have a healthy level of respect and I'm a little bit scared of Linda, I would put Oklahoma State a little higher as well. You know, I mm-hmm. think that resume with – the, the win on the road against Boise by basically just playing like a lights-out defense, um, beating a, a well-coached, disciplined K-State team thoroughly at home was, was really impressive. And, and as far as TCU goes, I mean, I, I do think they're better than eight, and um, I feel like they'll bounce back somewhat this week. I'm not picking them to beat Texas, but I, I think that'll be a competitive game. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, they lost to SMU. They got really bludgeoned by the Ponies. Um, they – edged out Cal, who does not look like a particularly good Pac-12 team, and they beat Duquesne. So based on what they've done, eight seems pretty fair. And, uh, yeah, if they play like they did on Saturday, there's not many teams in the Big 12 I think they can beat. I think I think TCU is allowing something like 17 yards for completion right now. Like, the, it, it is absolutely unreal. Mm-hmm. And Gary Patterson's about. worried about SMU planting the flag. He's worried yeah. about the defense. So, so uh, before we get into <laughs> yes. it, like, uh, we have to get to this. So can you just, so can you describe people at home who are not maybe abreast of what is happening? 
what has happened in this weird Jerry Kill TCU SMU saga? Yeah, so Gary on Saturday, uh, so they lose the game. SMU decides to run out there with uh, a flag. They've rebranded themselves as like the school of Dallas. So they have this big like Dallas flag that they plant at midfield. TCU gets mad. There's like a little fight that breaks out. This happens, whatever, not a huge deal. Um, so then in the postgame presser, Gary says that Jerry Kill got hit in the head by someone. He thought it was an SMU player, and he said they were going to investigate and find out who it was and prosecute that person to the full extent of the law. Well, he didn't say that part, but, like, that was kind of the vibe he was getting. Just... And, like, so GP, God bless him, he, he's a sore loser, which is not necessarily a bad quality for your college football coach, but he has a tendency to do this. Like, I compared it this week on the podcast to my six-year-old, like, if he gets in trouble, all of a sudden he just wants to talk about his sister, how she hit him in the head 10 minutes earlier. And I'm just like, okay, that has nothing to do with you giving peanut butter to the dog. Like, we're talking about two separate things, man. But every time he loses an embarrassing game like this, suddenly it's, oh, well, you know, they're just not classy. So on Tuesday right. – and, and also on Monday, I think Zach Barnett from Football Scoop put out a video that showed, like, it was actually – a TCU player, like in the midst of all the chaos that knocked Jerry kill over. So then on Tuesday, Gary's asked about it again. And in a moment where everybody thinks he's going to be like, yeah, I was wrong. My bad. He doubled down and went on a long rant about how, you know, if they wouldn't have charged the field, this wouldn't have happened. And their Twitter account made fun of his. Now that's what I call country music single that he put out last year. (laughs) And he just like, he just starts talking and talking. So yeah, that's, that's what's going on. We are not only, we not only lost to TCU or to SMU, but now our coach has, has made a mockery of himself. <laughs> in the middle of the week. I, like, I loved your tweet, by the way, it was, it was what it was exactly to say is like losing to SMU. It was like, yeah, that's maybe yeah, and it, SMU was, and then undermining your AD. Awesome. It was the Drake meme where he's yeah. like, it's like one is like that. And then he's like, yeah, because also in the middle of all this, SMU comes out with a statement and their AD is like, I talked to Jeremiah Donati, the TCU AD, and he told me, hey, Gary's going to back off these comments. Like, don't worry. Well, Gary did not back off those comments. <laughs> he's so, got so much clout where he's like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm it's like, it. whatever. I don't know about the department. I think what's, what's interesting here is like, I didn't, I mean, I have a lot of concerns about, Gary Patterson, because we keep we keep saying like the turnarounds come, the turnarounds come, and the turnarounds coming. Like I, I don't want the I don't want the end to be this comical, but maybe if there's a way to go out, maybe this is the way to do it. Um, <laughs> would you say yeah. that's okay, Stephen? Yeah, maybe it's the way to do it. Go I mean, listen, around. like this is who he is. He is your crazy grandpa at Thanksgiving, and like when he's winning games, it it's cool, it's endearing, and it's sort of like yeah. Grandpa Joe says some silly things, but he also always brings candy. And that's, he's a fun guy. But when he's losing, it's just like, man, we got to take care of this dude. Like we got to bend over backwards because he likes to watch Matlock at 3.30. <laughs> this, this is going to be I'm this, by the way. Steven, can I just say I am super excited to have Gary Patterson facing BYU again because there were some absolutely epic rants back in the day when they were members of the Mountain West together. So yeah. I'm very excited. 
Mountain West rivalries. Let's renew them. I like it. Uh, speaking of which, so I, so now, Jacob, I want to ask you, where do you think BYU would fit into this into this uh, schedule because or this this power ranking here because they've had such a great start to the season, a little bit surprising, and then also you can talk a little bit about uh, you know former BYU coaches Mateo uh, Mateos and uh, Grimes and the job they've done at Baylor with that offense. So where do you think BYU would fit, and then talk about those two coaches if you could. Well, funny enough, I'd actually have them jostling with Baylor right there, probably for that number three spot right behind Oklahoma and Texas. I think it's kind of where they would slot in. BYU off to an absolutely dream start, 4-0 on the year. I think the little concerning factor is the fact that they kind of just took their foot off the gas against USF this past weekend. Still got the victory, but obviously much closer than most people anticipated. The thing about Baylor is that Jeff Grimes, when he showed up to BYU now, it been four seasons ago, he came in with a plan to make the offensive line just the dominant force for BYU. And you saw that over the three years he was the offensive coordinator in Provo. That offensive line got better and better. Four guys from last year's team got NFL opportunities off of that offensive line. They've just essentially reloaded this year, put new guys into those slots, and they just kind of carried forward. It's kind of the legacy that Jeff Grimes left. And Eric Mateos, he was there for the two years, uh, the final two years of Jeff Grimes' tenure, did a great job as well. I like both of those guys, and their impact already in Waco is very evident. And funny enough, it's going to be cool to see BYU and Baylor squaring off here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's the cool part. And I think what's interesting is this kind of speaks to the job they've done. Zach Wilson and Gary Behannon are two completely different quarterbacks. I mean, they yeah. they are very much different guys and level of success. The zone, we all, this is a calling card as a zone blocking scheme. I mean, they've, the outside, they love outside zone. That's, the wide, kind of wide their, zone running scheme is what they like to call it. Yes, the wide zone running scheme. And Baylor's done it pretty much perfection. Also, credit to Dave Aranda and for getting with those guys and making the right call of Gary Bahannon. They picked the guy who could take care of the ball the best, and I think that that's paying dividends for them right now. All right, folks, quick break here before we get to some more kind of individual questions as we move forward. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors today, Sweatblock Wipes. Look, folks, if you're in the stands, it can still be hot out there during the summer all right, or during these uh, September, October months, depending on where you are. Texas, Oklahoma, can still have a little bit of heat down there, my friends. Uh, sweat block wipes. They have a dry shirt guarantee. Thousands of reviews on Amazon. They were probably tested by some very attractive firefighters on the Rachel Ray show, uh, and they, they got great reviews there. Sweat block wipes. Check them out at the web, uh, website, sweatblock.com. Use the promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N Locked On for twenty percent off, or you can find them at Amazon or CVS. But we kind of suggest you go to SweatBlock.com get that twenty percent off when you guys use the promo code Locked On. All right, let's get to some kind of some you know some, some talk about this fair conference. Uh, John, the the Twitter conversation in the Oklahoma community is absolutely a fun one. Uh, the Spencer Rattler. You know the 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 Caleb Williams conversation. It's overblown. It's ridiculous. But what are your thoughts? What what's what is the fixes plural that this Oklahoma offense can can employ as they move forward? Yeah. So I kind of threw it out there initially in jest on the Locked On Sooners Twitter account at Locked On Sooners, and I said, you know, the the answer to Oklahoma's problems on offense isn't less Spencer Rattler. It's more Spencer Rattler. And by that, I mean, going to that traditional Mike Leach air raid where you're going to go four or five wide receivers and you're just going to sling the ball around. 
You're going to throw quick passes, use quick route concepts. You're not going to let him, you know, try to wait for the scissors route concept, you know, the corner post to develop downfield or wait for that big, you know, that big uh, nine route to develop where he's having to, you know, hold the ball three seconds and then, and then try to make a play. No, you're, you're setting him up so that he can throw quick slants, quick outs, you know, use the, the Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, you know, slant out combo, like use that mm. over and over again until they can stop it against Tulane. They really rolled it out and, and it was working the bubble screen game. I mean, they were throwing a ton of bubble screens, which I generally, I hate the bubble screen. Like it's not quite the tight end screen, but I don't like the bubble screen because I don't like throwing behind the line of scrimmage, but you got to get the ball out of Spencer Rattler's hands quickly go air raid, just fully embrace it and then spread these teams out. And then when they give you light boxes, that's when you run Eric or yeah, Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks, you know, your offensive line is doing okay. It's not been great. It's not been what Oklahoma's standard is. And so figure out a way to get the ball out of Spencer Rattler's hands quickly and just let them sling it. Just go full, full in, go all in and whatever happens happens. But I think Lincoln Riley, Getting back to his roots in the Mike Leach air raid, that's the way to go for Oklahoma's offense. I'm with you on that. The bubble screen can be effective, especially for teams not running the ball very well. It can always be kind of your run game. So I think you're, you're spot on with that. Linda, your your team played a, a good half of offense, I guess. I mean, an explosive <laughs> half. I will say this. I don't think it's I don't think it's any coincidence that the best game Oklahoma State's offensive line had also ended up being the best game Spencer uh, Spencer Sanders had. Uh, well, it was the second week in the row in a row that we rolled out the exact same offensive line, which is something that I preach day in and day out. That consistency, like I want them to live together. It's one mm. position ultimately. Multiple people make it up, but if if they don't all work together, then the offensive line doesn't really matter much. So that consistency was huge. Obviously, against Kansas State, we also had a bunch of weapons back in our wide receiver room. Tay Martin obviously makes a difference in the passing game. Jalen Warren played another fantastic game, again, behind who we assume is going to be the starting offensive line going forward. So I was really excited about all that. But Mike Gundy slash Casey Dunn tend to have this, like, all gas, sometimes breaks in the second half, though, mentality. Like, they get up far enough, and then they go, like, okay, now we just try not to lose. We're like, let's put up 70. I I don't care what it looks like on the scoreboard, but to just completely like stop trying to move the ball and score. I I don't know what changes over halftime that, that they've now done that twice, two games in a row without any second half points is definitely scary. But I do think the health of the wide receiver core and the consistency of the O-line will continue to, to show out well going forward. Yeah. Big test this week with Baylor. Steven, I mean, more confusing than Gary Patterson's comments are what in the hell is happening to that TCU defense? I mean, they can't stop the run. They're getting, they, they did force three interceptions, but also when they weren't picking the ball off, they were getting absolutely shredded by SMU's passing game and Tanner Mordecai. What's going on there? And, and what's the kind of conversations about what they can do to kind of get this thing turned around on defense? Right. Yeah. The most concerning thing to me about the, the last Saturday, a couple of years ago when SMU beat them, you know, Sonny Dyke spent some time on staff there at TCU, and they came out and they're running like a lot of trick plays and kind of throwing the kitchen sink out there, and they fell behind and then they couldn't come back. So you sort of felt like, okay, well, he had obviously a really good idea of how to attack Gary Patterson, but uh, this game, I mean, it was just line the ball up and run. I mean, there wasn't anything fancy about it. 
they're getting shoved off the ball. Part of that was Corey Bethley was out, you know, their senior defensive tackle. Um, and he should be back this week. But they're also probably going to face better rushing attacks than the SMB Mustangs throughout the rest of the season. So I don't really know what they do, Josh. I mean, you can – Gary's obviously really sharp and he can scheme things up and they tend to improve as the year goes on. Uh, but you really can't – and there's nothing you can do strategically do account for your interior guys just getting shoved off the football. So I do think part of what happened was they were trying to slow down that quick passing game that SMU likes to work so much. And because of that, there were some light boxes. Uh, but if you, I mean, if you put seven, eight guys in the box, you've also seen, as you said earlier, 17 yards per completion. Like you have corners who are struggling to man coverage. So uh, if they can get Noah Daniels back on the outside, get Corey Bethley back in the interior, those things will help. But there's some communication issues with some of these new guys. I think there's just uh, a little bit of a lack of talent. And I, I don't know. In, in the past, they've been able to sort of come together. And by the end of the year, they look more like that TCU defense we've become accustomed to. I'm not sure this team has the personnel to do that. And if that's the case, then I mean, I think really the recipe is giving the ball to Zach Evans. So he had another big game on, on Saturday and he had 18 touches. And that's, I mean, that's a significant number, but it's still not enough in my mind. Like when he gets his hands on the football, so far he's clearly been the best player on the field. So um, yes. slow down the game with him running the ball. And maybe that helps both sides of of your uh, your team on offense and defense. I would say that's the one thing they have to – they play Texas this week. That's the one thing you got to do is kind of play some keep away, right? But it's, it's what you're going to have to do. It, the communication thing I want to touch on really fast, that has to be it. I mean, there was some stuff over the middle of the field this week where it's like that's the only way guys were that open. It really felt like that. Yeah, I, I definitely underestimated like how much losing Trayvon Merrick and Ardarius Washington in the back end was going to hurt that team. Like I, I thought from a talent standpoint, because they had some guys like Josh Foster and TJ Carter, the transfer from Memphis, came over and he's played a little bit of safety and corner for them. Um, but I mean, the signals and the calls—they're just—it's—it's it's breakdown after breakdown. Um, just responsibilities aren't getting shown. So I, I think that's where they're missing those guys the most is just making sure everybody's on the same page and not letting receivers run free because there's been a lot of that the first couple of weeks of the season. Jacob, uh, what is your thought on, uh, you know, I think the, the, the two teams that, that are outside of the power five right now that feel like they've got a legitimate chance at going undefeated uh, and having a chance to go to the playoff are actually two teams that are going to join the Big 12 Conference. It's BYU and Cincinnati. Um, I think, personally speaking, if Cincinnati were to beat Notre Dame and run the table, um, I don't think they would be able to be denied a playoff spot. And here's my reasoning why. If Clemson had gone 11-1, and 12-1, if you will, they would have gotten in, right? But their schedule would not have been as good as Cincinnati's schedule would have been, especially considering games against Indiana and one at Notre Dame, how weak that Clemson schedule is. And also BYU schedule, likewise is a really it's, – it's, it's robust as, as how I would describe it. I mean, they get Baylor. They've got uh, Virginia. They've got USC. Uh, they had Utah. They had Arizona State. I mean, they've got good enough teams on there, I think, if they run the table to potentially make a case. What is kind of the conversation – I know it's a week at a time, but what's kind of the conversation been around this idea, if you will? 
Well, BYU fans, they're familiar with last year. They went 11 and one. They came up a yard short from going 12 and 0. So mm-hmm. they, they're, they're very happy with how things are going in Provo right now. But I'm actually with you. I think Cincinnati, you go and beat Notre Dame in South Bend, you absolutely are on track. I would have no problem saying that Luke Fickle and the Bearcats should be in the running to make the college football playoff. Now, I do have my concerns, though, that I consider the college football playoff as currently constituted an invitational. It it exists to uphold the power five. And there are teams inside that power five who will always be held up, it feels like. I'm not looking at you, Ohio State. (laughs) Uh, But it's just I think that if either one of these teams were to make that run, it'd be really, really cool. The only thing about that is either one of these teams makes that run, that coach may be the next head coach at USC because both Fickle and Kalani Satake have both been in the running or at least rumored to be in the running down there in Los Angeles to take over the Trojans. We'll see what happens. I know that BYU is intent on keeping Satake. He's mm-hmm. a guy who has always wanted to be in Provo. He grew up a fan of the program, played for the program, wanted to be the, for lack of a better term, Polynesian Lavelle Edwards. That's what he's always wanted to be. He'd like to stay in Provo, but at some point, money could come calling for him. And the fact that they've won 14 of their last 15 games, that's very attractive to some more high-level programs. Yeah, I, I, and I bet a lot of the fans, and I, I bet the opportunity for him to lead them into a new conference, too, is definitely appealing. I don't know. I thought, isn't the rumor Anthony Lynn is weirdly being considered? <laughs> it, 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 it changes day to day. It was Eric Bieniemy for a minute there. It. I, who knows? And the thing about Kalani and Luke Fickle, I think neither one of them have the sex appeal that USC is looking right. for. They they want to win the prize conference, but they also want to win big. If they, but we all know that the Pete Carroll thing—he was the what fourth, fifth this uh, pick when he led them to all those glory years in the 2000s. So I don't know. We'll find out. But I know BYU is excited to have Kalani on board. They really are uh, thinking, okay, this is a guy who's going to lead us into the Big 12. They're intent on keeping him in Provo, but you keep winning at this clip, and you're going to have plenty of people busting down your door saying, hey, come pl- come coach us. And one quick thing before we move on here, big announcement, they're playing Notre Dame next year in uh, at Allegiant, right. State, Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. Do you think that once BYU joins the Big 12, they're going to continue to schedule these kinds of games in the non-conference uh, at least that, that's the kind of the effort and the goal. Do you think that will change at all? They they have game contracts as an independent out to the 2030s. So there's I was going to say, they probably do, yeah. There's a lot of amendments that are going to be coming. I think that all of, the folding games like ba- the Baylor series that they've had in there, I think they have some other uh, future Big 12 series that will obviously be folded in now joining the conference. I do think BYU is intent on taking big swings and playing big games. Will they always schedule an FCS game? Probably, but – if they can get the likes of a USC, of a Notre Dame, insert big name team here, BYU is not afraid to take a big cut at those teams. So I think they will still try to schedule them. And the funny thing is they could probably amend some of these contracts and really have their non-conference schedule set up for seemingly for the next two decades. All right, we're going to go around and uh, talk about something outside of the teams that we cover that we're most excited about this weekend. So be thinking panel. But first, a word from our sponsors uh, if you're having auto issues, my friends, or if you're not, you just want something new for your car, rockauto.com. You know, they've got carpet, paint, uh, anything, you know, brake lamps, whatever you need, rockauto.com has you covered. You know the jingle. I'm not going to do it. Bad scene. You guys know the jingle. Um, Come on. And just do it. I, 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 ben Stevens from Big Ten could do it. I can't, I cannot, I cannot do it as well as, as he does it. Rock Auto, that's the only part I can do. Um it is cheaper there at rockauto.com than a chain store, than a dealership. 
Uh, you'll be able to find any kind of part you need, thousands of parts from a hundred manufacturers. Check them out now at rockauto.com. Make sure you write locked on in their how'd you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And also our friends at betonline.ag. They provide the lines every single week on this podcast when I do my weekly picks. Whatever you guys want to bet on, whether it's last weekend, I was up in everything, folks. I was a Formula One, Ryder Cup. Uh, you know, you got obviously NBA futures coming up, college football and pro football both going on right now. Whatever you guys want to bet on, they've got there at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on when you sign up. L O C K L O C K E D O N locked on. You'll get a deposit bonus when you do. Bet online, they're your online sportsbook experts. All right, so John, going to you first. Outside of Oklahoma's contest against Kansas State, what in the, you can go inside or outside the conference, your pick. What are you most looking forward to this week? Yeah, I think the the game that I'm really looking forward to, and we talked about, you know, before the show, I'm close to Fayetteville. It's just about an hour away. Really looking forward to seeing what Arkansas does against Georgia. I mean, are they a legit team in the SEC? If that's a, a game that they can hang in and actually maybe beat Georgia in, I mean, that, that win against Texas is looking better and better all the time. Can the can the Hogs do it again over the Dogs? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm skeptical. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm, but it, I'm, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, though. Uh, the fact that this game is a top 10 game that's, that, you know, it's, it's, right. it's just – and actually to a point that was made uh, – that was made earlier about Pete Carroll that Jacob, Jacob made, uh, Sam Pittman was the fourth – I mean, maybe not even fourth or fifth choice, right? I mean, what the, the job he's done and – I know, I know Barry Odom, very familiar with, uh, with the Oklahoma program. And, uh, you know, his br- brother has been very involved there. And also somebody I know very well from his days at Missouri. He's done a great job with that defense. One of those guys, probably better office coordinator than a head coach. He's done a great job. So I'm excited with that one too. Linda, what do you got? It's really unfair that you're not going to let me talk about how excited I am for Oklahoma State versus Baylor. But the Kansas State Sooner game, I'm, I will be glued to the TV because – you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Kansas State quarterback room. I, I, who knows who's behind center, but their run defense is going to really impact the way that Spencer Rattler has to play. They're going to have to play through the air. So I think John gets his wish about more Spencer Rattler in the game plan. And uh, hopefully, it, well, <laughs> actually, I don't really care if it works out for the best. But, <laughs> but, but. And I, I'm pretty sure, like, I've already accepted the fact that my Denver Broncos are going to draft Spencer Rattler. So I'd like him to show up and play big if they completely shut down the run game, which I suspect they do. So I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, as Skylar Thompson, it's mentioned a good play. I don't think we'll see him. I think they're going to try to get him back after that bye week. Um, yeah. All right, Steven, what about you? Oh, no, we can't hear you. I'm You're muted, now. my guy. I'm so smart. TCU education, folks. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit. The real sickos look at that Big 12 power rankings, and we want to see Texas Tech and West Virginia, baby. I want to see what the Red Raiders do with Tyler shut down. Henry Columbia, what does he look like? I do actually think this is kind of an interesting game for the Mountain Dew. You played well against Oklahoma, but that was a game you had an opportunity to win. You didn't. Can you get over a hangover? and beat a team you should beat at home in Morgantown. So uh, I think that's kind of an interesting game for, like, middle of the conference. And I also wonder, you lose 70-35 to in Austin, 
Lubbock people wanted Matt Wells gone last at the end of last season. You know, I know he's got the injury built in here, but how long can you let this thing continue if you continue to take embarrassing L's every week? And that was the one last year that they had a Texas dead to rights and they didn't win it. And this year they got absolutely drubbed. Um, also, I had this – I want to update us in the stats. So I told you guys last week that West Virginia threw four quarters against Power 5 teams in the second half, uh, Maryland and Virginia Tech. They had scored a total of six points. Uh, now on six quarters in second halves against Power 5 teams, Maryland, uh, Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma, they still have six points. Uh, not finishing the fight are the West Virginia Mountaineers second. Also, is there a worse sequence in offensive line history than a false start and a snap that takes you out of field goal range in the end of the game on the road? I mean, crippling, crippling, absolutely crippling mistake. Uh, Jacob, what are you looking at uh, this week that you're interested in? Well, I was actually – the Texas Tech-West Virginia game, I, I call Let's it like – Let's go. It's just called like the Sickos game of the week in a way. It is. It, it's just, it's just kind of how things shake out. But I'm also interested in the Texas-TCU game. Uh, obviously, Texas got to go up the road to Fort Worth and looking forward to that one. I do want to see how Texas follows up that game against this Tech. You explode for 70 points. What can you do as you take this on the road to Fort Worth? We all know that Gary Patterson prides himself on having a very stingy defense. So that is a game that's got some intrigue for me just because of the fact, okay, can Sark put that same type of offense on the field week to week? We haven't seen it so far this year. Need to see if it can be a thing that you can take on the road. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to mention this game. It's not what I really care about. I mean, does Kansas score against Iowa state? Like do they, and, and because here's the thing, guys. I so Iowa State, like their offense has put their defense in bad spots. Their defense is one of three teams, I believe, in the country that is allowing less than four yards of play. Uh, they have a phenomenal defensive unit this year. I mean that that group has not skipped uh, not skipped a beat. Um, they've been fantastic. So I feel bad for Jason Bean and company going there. I'm going to put this out there. Um, this is. This weekend, I think, will be the launching pad for Matt Corral. This is somebody I've been tracking. I, I, I love Matt Corral in high school. I loved how um, he loves loves to take a risk or two in a game, or five or six. But I think he ends up – I really do think he ends up being the number one pick. I, I think this is somebody that because of the ability to make every single throw in the book and a uh, – the problem for him is you have to rein him in some, not like, hey, I need you to make this throw. It's – Look, sometimes I need, I need you not to make that throw. I need you not to throw this pass into coverage. I think that's a bit easier than trying to go the other way around. So I think Matt Corral has a really good week. And uh, win or lose, I think he puts himself in a in a great position. And he puts if I'm an Alabama fan, he puts fear of God into me because he is not afraid of that. He will not be afraid of that environment. He'll be excited. He'll be ready to go. So I'm fired up uh, about Alabama and Ole Miss. All right, let's go around so everybody can give out their uh, information so everybody can know where to follow everybody. Every podcast is somebody's first. So, John, go ahead. Where can people find you and your work and its variety? Yeah, hey, make sure you go follow the Locked On Sooners podcast on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners podcast. And, uh, yeah, the show is available everywhere you can get your podcast and you can read Oklahoma Sooners coverage over at the Sooners Wire at usatoday.com. Very nice. Linda? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians and the show is at locked underscore on underscore pokes and then the Locked on Pokes podcast Facebook page. 
Stephen. You can find me on Twitter at SimcockSteven, last name first, because I'm very professional. Uh, the show is <laughs> at LockedOnTCU. And, yeah, if you want more frustrated TCU thoughts, come join me. For more Gary Patterson singles. Jake. All right. You can uh, locked on Cougars on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. It's all the same name. Of course, all BYU coverage, locked on Cougars, wherever you get your podcast. And my personal Twitter feed, Jacob C. Hatch, my full name. There you go. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You can find the show at LO Big 12. You can find us on YouTube and wherever you guys get your podcasts. And also, if you're craving some Nats coverage, you can find us at LO underscore Nationals. That's the other podcast I do, but they suck. So it's not really going right now. All right. It was fun, guys. See you all next Wednesday.